So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business your relationships and your mindset if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com James Patrick, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing outstanding, Ben. How's it going for you, sir? So good. So good. So you're out in Arizona, is that correct? Yes, sir. Actually just trying to hide inside right now because it is going to be a very intense 100 plus degrees today. Yes. Uh, so my wife and I have this little funny inside joke being, you know, born in 1986, growing up, there were these commercials. I hope that someone out there can relate to the story. There was these commercials that were always on TV about AC units and it was this really hokey family and the, the, the parents would come in and they would say, it looks like another scorcher. And then they try to sell you an AC unit and they played, I swear, every like hour, every half hour, every 20 minutes of my entire childhood. And so every time I taught out, that's what my wife and I say to me. If you relate to that story, let me know, <laughs> like DM me or something. So I don't feel like I just wasted everyone's time. <laughs> Patrick, what is a day in the life of James Patrick? You know, it, it shifts around so much. And the reason it shifts around as much as it does is because there's multiple brands that I am overseeing right now uh, and it's my photography business has been my flagship for 15 years but over the course of that time there have been a few other things that I've launched up from a conference I host for fitness entrepreneurs to coaching to educating other photographers and each thing kind of builds into our overall umbrella, which is great, but there really isn't an average day. I mean, and, and I think this is something most photographers can attest to because there are going to be days where you're out in the field and there are going to be days where you're sitting at home running post work. And there are going to be days where you are just pounding pavement, trying to churn up work. So um, this past month has been a little more intense than usual. I was looking at my calendar and realized that out of the last 30 days, I've only spent five at my own house. Uh, and it was just one of those things where, and you know, we're always blessed to get work, of course, but yeah, I was, I bounced to LA and then it was to uh, another part in Arizona where I was staying, uh, out of home, uh, working on a project, then back to LA, then got home for two days to wash clothes. Then it was out to Chicago for a week. And so finally back home now. And, uh, I guess right now is what I would call a slow week in the sense that I'm buried with deadlines on my desk right now, but I'm just not leaving my house is what it is. Totally get that. Can you tell, I want to, I want to ask more, like I get, I'm really excited about what you're doing with your photography, but I'm also really excited about what you're doing with the podcast and like fitness entrepreneurs. Can you connect some of those dots for me in terms of how you end up falling into the world of fitness entrepreneurs and photography? I think so much of what we do, particularly when it comes to marketing ourselves, is trying to figure out how we can help our clients level up their own business. Because if our clients are doing extraordinarily well, they're going to continue to return to us to hire us for photo shoots. If my clients are doing bad, if they're going out of business, I'm going to be in trouble because I'm not going to have work coming in the door. And and you're talking commercial, just to be clear, correct? Commercial, editorial, and independent clients. Yep. Which are which would be our three three main clusters. But we'd be looking at so many of our 
clients from, let's take it from an individual perspective. Individuals that would hire us, they need uh, portraits done, they need marketing materials done, they need publicity shots done, they want to target these magazines, et cetera. And they'd come to us and we'd, we'd make what I would consider to be market-worthy images. And oftentimes we'd see them getting published in magazines and we'd see them getting featured in ad campaigns. And we would check back in with them after a while and we'd say, How, how's business been going? Like we shot a couple years ago, got you on three magazine covers. Where's business at? And a lot of them would say, well, business is struggling right now. I'm like, how is business struggling? We built you this tremendous amount of leverage and clout and opportunity. How was this not transitioned or turned into profit? And the answer was, I didn't know what to do with it. And it could be on the simplest of love. I didn't know what to do with the images. I didn't know how to market the images. Like I paid to have all these great images done. And I didn't know what to do with them to we had this great leverage built where all of a sudden you're on this national cover on newsstands and you didn't know how to transition that into profit. So we said, well, this is this is a gap in the market. Let's figure out and let's start conversations to talk about this. And it doesn't matter whether you're a fitness entrepreneur or you're a photographer or you're a graphic designer or if you're just a solopreneur. The information we started researching and diving into and digesting and then trying to put out to our audience, it's pretty universal, which is really three things. How do you establish a brand that is marketable? How do you market that brand? And then how do you profit from that brand? And we started sharing stuff through blogs. And after blogging, it turned into podcasting. And the thing we really wanted was an event. And I have spoken at different conferences, be it photo events or events for fitness professionals or entrepreneurs, because that really was my target demo, being that most of the work I do is fitness and sports. And I said, well, we need a community. Because if you get a community together, the great thing about a community is, is you're going to sit there and the person to the right of you, you're going to realize is one step ahead of you. And then the person to the left of you is going to be one step behind you. And that combination is what keeps that cycle churning because that person to the right of you is going to help you get that next step. You're going to help the person to the left of you get to where you are. And it's also kind of important, and this is through anything, anytime you're digesting information, because it's so easy if you go to a, like, let's say a photo conference, or if you're, even if you're listening to a photo podcast and you think, oh my God, these guys, they're so far ahead of where I want to be right now. And you get stressed and you think I could never get there. And the reality is is we might not just we might just be that one single step from where you are today or we're one step to the side of you and that's an important distinction is if someone is one step to the side of you like yeah they might be ahead of you let's say in digital marketing but you have a better post processing thing like that's your area of excellence well that's your area of excellence right and there's something you guys can learn from each other so it's not this light switch all or nothing type relationship yeah, I totally see that. There's just, um, it's like a staggering. There's, uh, it's so easy to look at that one thing that somebody's doing uh, well or in your mind better than you uh, and and to judge off that. Um, so then what it sounded like what you were talking about was not just being a photographer, but actually helping with like brand consulting, like uh, for for your clients. So do you consider yourself also like a branding firm? I don't. And the reason I don't is because I'm not doing most of the discussion. And I, I would consider myself a connector if, if I had to choose a, a, a definition. It'd be that I connect people to resources and connect people to opportunity. I do have a background in marketing and I do have a background in branding. I spent the better part of a decade working in marketing and branding while I was building up my photography business. So I have that, but I'm also of the disposition where I want to bring in the best minds I can find, the best thinkers I can find, the best resources I can find and put it all out on the table. So when we have our annual conference, which is called Fiposium for Fitness Entrepreneurs, we will have at this year's event, we'll have over 30 presenters because I want that wealth of information. There are things that I can speak very clearly on, but there's plenty of things that I have no idea. And I'll, I'll be sitting in the back of the room at my own conference, feverishly taking notes. I'm like, oh man, that's that's really good. I, I've always wanted to learn about you know uh, Facebook marketing or funnel hacking. Like, so we'll book speakers for those topics. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I would look at is like, I, I enjoy education. And I think that in today's 
economy, the best thing you can offer people is valuable information. It's valuable information that is going to get your page seen, get your podcast listened to, get your blog consumed, uh, get your ebooks downloaded. Like it's giving away the best information, the best connections you can. So I got to dive further into this. Like there's so many questions that I've got, got going on right now. Maybe the best way, James, is if I kind of explain what I see maybe going on, then you tell you tell me how far off I am. So sure. it sounds like what you're doing is, you know, you're a, you're a photographer, like you're running, you know, uh, a, a commercial uh, editorial independent uh, photography business. And so uh, I imagine then fitness, uh, the fitness market is a massive portion of what you do. Is that correct? Yeah. It, for about the last 10, 11, 12 years, we really niched down into fitness and sports. And so then have you essentially seen the opportunity to provide value to your clients by pulling together uh, a conference for them, uh, which allows then doors to be opened, connections to be made, and work to be generated for your photography business to help serve those fitness clients? Nail on the head, sir. Like it, it's, it's, it's a self-fulfilling thing. And does it help my photography business? Absolutely it does. Of course it does because I'm the one putting this on, but it's done in it's done tangentially. I don't stand up there and do massive sales. You know, I stand up there and I share the best information I can from the best resources I can find because that puts me in a position where I'm providing this information. Like myself, my team, we're providing this information and it allows us the ability to make further connections. It allows us the ability to meet with more people who can learn, grow their business. And the more, like I said at the top, the more successful they are, the more opportunity there is to work with them. Yeah. This is so freaking incredible and so bold. And I imagine, uh, like, I mean, can you talk me through a little bit of what was going on in, in the thought process when you, you know, announced to whoever it is, the, the early conversations of, I'm going to start a fitness podcast and a fitness conference, uh, as, as essentially a, I mean, it's, it's something that you're interested in, but it's essentially a marketing move. Can can you share how you how you kind of worked through justifying this in your mind and and those conversations? It's it's interesting because I was the easiest person to convince on this because I'm not shy about having an idea, taking a risk and just seeing what happens. And don't get me wrong, Ben, there have been innumerable things that I've had an idea on, I charted out to do and I fell on my face with. Right. But this one was one that started to get traction really quickly. And I think it got traction quickly because I had already done a lot of building blocks that were leading in this direction. I'd already spoken at conferences. I had already been running a blog for close to a decade. I had already started podcasting. So that brand association, that brand affiliation I had with educating my clients to improve their careers or to level up where they're at in their business had already started to to gain some roots. And so the conference was just the next logical step of we have all this information whether as I was writing ebooks or standing up on stage presenting or doing podcasts or writing my blogs let's bring this all together let's sit around a table and let's navigate this as a community. So it was pretty easy to convince myself that it was the right decision to make. Uh, of course I turned to my my team that I worked with and then it was incumbent upon them to help me do this. And we gave ourselves a very short window to launch our first one, which was back in 2015. Uh, I think we gave ourselves six months, five months, right around there, where it's like, let's pull all the details together, book all the speakers. And it was it was concise. I mean, we made it as, um, as synchronized as we could. It was a one-day, technically it was like a two-thirds day event uh, with maybe a dozen speakers, and we had 55 attendees. That was really the proof that we needed to expand it. So the next year, we expanded to a full day, had 150, so we tripled the audience. And um, I want to say we had more than a dozen presenters. And then the following year, so this is last year, we expanded to over 200 attendees. We had a two-day event, this year, it's October 4th through 7th. We're at three and a half days. We'll have over 30 presenters, um, 
close to 20 different partners and sponsors with the event. And uh, this is about as big as it has ever been and probably about as like in in regards to architecture, as big as I want to scale it, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to. It's one of those things where you want to provide the best value possible. And I've architected and engineered this event to have the most impact possible, not only with information, both connections and resources and opportunities, but I don't want to waste people's time. So to extend it beyond where I have it right now, I think would be fringing on that. And I want every piece of our conference to have significant impact where people walk away saying, knowing I can apply this right now. In fact, I am applying this right now. Yeah. Is, is the, I mean, is the, is the sole purpose to generate business for your, um, not the sole purpose that should, is the main purpose to generate business for your photography brand? Not really, actually. Um, at, it was it was a side thought at first, like this could help me, and it does. Like it does help me book more projects, and and more importantly, it helps me connect with larger brands that we bring on as sponsors, which is really, really, really great. But it's more of an altruistic reason that I do this, and that it ties back to when I was in college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was kind of floundering, messing around with the camera, unsure. And it was, I had this professor who helped me find what it was that I was good at doing, what it was that I needed to be doing, and really just threw me into the pool and forced me to swim. And I now feel it's my responsibility to pass that on, to share as much information as I can, to be a resource, because that's to me that is what's more fulfilling to kind of pay that forward of even if people come to my conference and never hire me again, but they applied what they learned. I feel like I did the right thing. Yeah. I love this. Well, um, can we brainstorm for a minute? I'd love to hear, you know, I, I know that some photographers are listening, you know, maybe, or maybe even just like other creatives, maybe they're not photographers. Maybe it's like, you know, an oil painter or, or anything along those lines. Like, is there another way that this could play out in terms of things that an individual, maybe who doesn't have a team could actually apply this thought process of, uh, of, of creating an event or gathering a group to give value back to, to kind of leverage that opportunity to partner with other brands. Um, I mean, there, there's so many different examples that we could take, but I'm curious if you have any ideas from really a solopreneur standpoint of an individual, maybe let's go like, you know, small, medium town. Um, have you, have you I don't know. Can you, can you spit fire off that for a second? Absolutely. I can. I think the best currency we have right now is people's attention. I don't think anything is more valuable than having the attention of an audience. And let's say you're a photographer. If all you're doing is sharing your photo work, every single post, let's, we'll, just, we'll just say on Instagram, if every single post you do is on your photo work, people aren't getting to know anything more and you're going to start to lose that attention and you lose that currency. But if you provide value, value being the key key word here. If you're providing value, people are going to increase the attention they give you. Now, value is a subjective term. What does that mean? What value are, are you providing? It completely depends on your audience. So for me, my audience was fitness entrepreneurs. So the best value I could provide to them was information on how they can grow their careers. For you, it, with your podcast, it's photographers who want to figure out how to break that six-figure mark. What does that six-figure mark look like? Let's demystify this. Let's navigate this together and figure out how we can get into growing our business into that six-figure or multiple six-figure stratosphere, which is, I mean, that's that's really amazing that you are doing this. I was reading an article just yesterday that it was something like 85% of photographers are under six figures. And that means only 15% have figured out how to do it. Well, that means 85% want to, I assume, want to figure out how to do it. <laughs> sure. And you provide that value, right? And, and the key about providing that value is you have to provide what, you, what the audience wants to hear or wants to see versus what you want to tell them. And there's a little bit of a difference there. Like maybe I want to just rant every day on my podcast about things in this industry that really piss me off. Well, 
maybe my audience doesn't really care about that. Maybe they care about what I've figured out to navigate this industry, what I figured out to overcome some of these obstacles or some of these challenges. That's what they want. Well, I need to give them what they want, right? So offering that value, offering that information, or maybe it's inspiration, or maybe it's education, or maybe it's just entertainment, but something of value for people to want to start to tune in to what you're doing. So it's not always hiding behind your work. It's sharing something extra that gets people into what you're doing. That is what builds that attention. That's what builds that social currency, which, like I said before, I think it is the most important thing we have right now. Podcast listeners, I apologize for interrupting the interview, but I just I have to give a shout out to two big supporters of the industry, two big supporters of the SFP podcast. And so I'm going to be brief here. The first is the Giphy booth. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, it is essentially a photo booth, but it is a modern, fresh, uh, new take on a photo booth. It makes animated GIFs and photographs. Now, here's the deal. I'm a working wedding photographer. I am not a photo booth owner. And I want you guys to understand this. This is perfect. If you are a photographer first, out shooting events, uh, portraiture, that type of thing, this booth is amazing because it requires so little work. Like I've I've had other photo booths. I still own another photo booth, but the Giphy booth is the thing that I love because I just get to set it up in under five minutes. It It's like a it's the size of like a laptop bag, essentially. Um, it automates everything once you're done with an event. Uh, it's such an easy upsell. And one of the great things about it is because it takes so little overhead to actually run uh, an event that I essentially get to pass that savings on to my client. And so I can I can charge less for it, do more events and remain so much more stress-free. It also has like built-in marketing tools. You guys just need to check it out. It is called the Giphy Booth. Go check it out at giphy.com, G-I-F, yyy.com three y's g-i-f-y-y-y.com by the way use the coupon code sfp2017 for some dope discounts maybe just mention my name dude you know ben hartley sfp2017 is the code uh, to go check this thing out i own one and i promise you i'm buying another this year as well Next up on my thank you list is Freedom Edits. You guys, look, the end of the day, you can't grow your business if you are doing everything. It's just a it's a fact that we all have to face. And to have somebody who's doing the bulk editing, by the way, when I say bulk editing, like I get to still, you get to still choose to edit the photographs that you want to edit, the beautiful portfolio shots, the stunning bridal portraits, whatever it is that you get excited about, please keep editing that. But all of the bulk stuff that slowly kills your soul please go check out Freedom Edits and have them take care of it because they're going to give you consistent results with personal touch. This is the thing. It's the personal touch. Like the intentional decisions that that uh, Freedom Edits, by the way, in-house editors, not like outsourced, in-house editors make, I freaking love because they're actually making intentional creative decisions and not just doing these like robotic choices where you get images back and you're like, why did they expose for that? They like, like any normal creative would have understood that there was an off-camera flash and, and done this right. Freedom Edits will do it right, you guys. I freaking love them. Go check out Freedom Edits. By the way, uh, it's freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. That's where you need to go. Freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. They're going to give you the first full wedding free, you guys. Again, just mention my name, Ben Hartley. They're going to give you the first full wedding free. Like, do you want to save a couple days this week? Then go do this right now. Freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. All right, let's get back to the show. Man, this is really fascinating. This is super fun. So then you're doing a lot with commercial clients. Look, I am, James, I'm not in the commercial world. And so I've got so much, uh, uh, I have so many questions and, and thoughts behind this. It's just a very different thing when you're dealing, at least in my mind, I think it's a very different thing when you're dealing with a, you know, an editorial commercial client versus uh, a couple, right? Who's having a, a very personal thing. Uh, do you disagree to that statement or do you feel like they're very similar uh, in regards to how that interaction occurs? Interaction in regards to bringing them in as a client? Um, goals, objectives, um, 
you know, let's kind of go that way. Branding, how you actually market to them, how you communicate to them. Let's stick with that. Let's stick with branding and marketing. Uh, branding and marketing to an editorial client, commercial client. How is that different than branding and marketing to, let's say, a, a, a you know, a, a newborn uh, photo shoot or a bride and a groom? So all three are going to have a different language. So all three would require somewhat of a different approach. So when I look at the three major things that we do, whether it's commercial, editorial, independent, my marketing approach is going to be different for all three. And really just what the project, even though the shoot could be almost identical between the three, everything, all the nuances about the shoot are going to be different. How much I'm getting paid, how much creative control I have, who's pretty much running the project. All of that shifts depending on who is uh, writing the check. And so to think about it, you know, the big difference between commercial and editorial, or really two of the big differences is one, commercial is just going to pay a lot more versus editorial. I'm going to make more money for the exact same photo. I'm going to make more money commercially versus editorially. Uh, the flip side is creative control. I'm going to get significantly more creative control on an editorial shoot than a commercial shoot. Whereas like I, just thinking about two projects that we did recently. Uh, one was I got to go out to LA and I got to do this uh, magazine cover shoot. And really the magazine had their framework for what they needed. But outside of that, it was, it was an open script, whatever you want, James, we trust your style. We like what you do. This is why we've brought you in on this project. So you do, you do you, you do what you believe is going to work creatively for this, for this campaign versus a commercial shoot we did also not long ago, where this is a storyboard. We need it shot this way. We need it shot with this sort of lens, with this sort of light. We need to have this sort of feel and we are hiring you because you are technically capable of doing this. So that's the trade-off right there is I'm going to make a lot more money commercially, but it might not have that creative drive for it. Independent mm-hmm. work, you know, let's say someone hires you for a portrait or a headshot session or a fashion shoot or whatever it might be, there you're in control of a couple a, a couple more things. One, you can set the creative, here's my style, here's how I want to shoot this. You set your own prices versus editorial work which they tell you what their price is versus commercial where you have to bid on the work saying, this is what I think I should charge for this. Do you accept my bid or not? Um, So independent work, you get the most control. However, it's the lowest paid of the three. And you have a lot more clients to manage. Should you want to grow that business, that means getting more clients, not getting better clients, getting more clients, which is fine. So the focus I've had over the last 10 years is to shrink my independent business, the number of independent clients that hire me and shrink it. I've done it through a couple ways. One is by completely niching myself in the work I will take and won't take. I'm very specific about work that I love to do and work that I will not do. Second was just in pricing, increasing my pricing to a point where I'm attracting the clients that I want to work with and detracting or polarizing the clients who just can't afford those services right? What that does is that opens my time up more to chase editorial and commercial clients. All right. And I said chase because I feel with editorial and commercial work, it requires a lot of proactive marketing. I'm finding the clients, I'm putting information out there, I'm marketing, right? Versus independent clients where I do more reactive or passive marketing, where it's keeping up with brand maintenance, posting a lot of content, sharing a lot of resources, but I'm not actively going out to individuals, contacting them saying, I want to work with you. Yeah. How important with understanding that commercial and editorial is where you want to be, how important is getting published for those markets? Getting published can be extremely advantageous if you leverage it. I mean, and anything with, with what you're doing, like let's say awards would be another example. Awards are great. But, you know, like like we we participate in the Addy Awards through the American Advertising Federation. And on a good year, we'll get lots of Addies. On a bad year, we will not. Now, if all we did was get the Addies and then put them on my shelf in my, in my house so I could look at them and feel proud of myself, and that's all I did, well, then it was a giant waste of time and money, right? 
Same can be said for magazine work. If I'm getting great magazine work, great projects, but I'm not doing anything with those projects, I'm just letting it sit there on a newsstand for 30 days and then expire and never leveraging it, then it wasn't worth what it could have been worth. So, and that that's an important thing to realize is, you know, I have a cover coming out with a nationally printed publication. It comes out, I think, mid-July. Mm-hmm. So for 30 days, my woke my work will be on a newsstand, right? But after 30 days, it's gone and it will not be seen again by the public on a newsstand because that is the life. So I have 30 days to capitalize on that, to market that. So I market my magazine work much like I market any awards that I get, which is I'm taking that, taking that collateral, taking that clout, and then I'm using it to market towards other clients to say, look what we just did. Look how we worked with this client. Look how we helped this client. Look what we were able to create. We would love the opportunity to do something similar for you. Is there any way that you're doing that? Um uh, like on your website, or is it all kind of in person? We're actually sitting down face to face and you're kind of bringing those things out as a, as kind of authority and social proof and, and as actual like case studies. Um, is there other ways that you're using it? A lot of different ways. So face to face meetings are so invaluable and so great because you just can't replace that personal connection of shaking someone's hand where they see you face to face. So I'll go out to New York about once a year, once every other year at at the minimum to meet with photo editors. And I, I bring my portfolio, I bring some collateral with me. And it takes months of planning because you have to hunt down photo editors. You have to call them up, you have to email them, you have to get on their radar, you have to get them to respond just to give you what literally could be a 60 to 90 second meeting. That It could be that quick. I've had meetings as short as two, three minutes, and I've had meetings as long as 90 minutes. It just depends, right? So I go out to New York for, for about a week at a time, and I just go from office to office with meetings I've set up to share some work and share some stories. And I'll do the same in LA, although not as many publishing houses out in LA. So that's that's the extreme of it. Another way you could do it is just through email marketing, which something I try to do. I try to do it once a quarter where I've built a list of art directors, creative directors, and photo editors who I've gotten permission to market to. And I will share those stories through email marketing. So we have one going out before the end of this month as the quarter comes to a close. And it will be a case study of a project we did for a certain editorial client. So what we did was I had a video guy go out and interview the client and put together this nice video package where the client's talking about the project, actually projects, the process of why they hired me, what the results were, and interspliced with that are samples of the work. And we're timing it, hopefully, for when this magazine cover comes out because it would pair nicely in this email marketing blast. And then we've done things where we've done postcard mailers out to clients. We've done uh, where we will create our own magazine, which is kind of fun because we design, put together, write a magazine and send it out to clients as a marketing piece. Uh, And it could just be picking up the phone or sending a direct email. I mean, there are so many ways to connect with art directors and photo editors now and kind of the barriers have been taken down because they're easy to find for the most part and easy to connect with because they honestly people get nervous about it but they want to be found they want to be connected with they want to see new work and if you have work that you are really passionate about and you feel they would be of interest and resonate with them it's your responsibility to share it with them yeah, I love that perspective. I think that's really unique, uh, very different than <laughs> what most people uh, most people's thoughts are. Can we talk a bit more about publications here for just a second? Um, I, you know, right now we're kind of um, we're pulling what's what's the phrase here, James? Pulling the cart before the horse, and we're talking about how to maximize publications once you get it. But I'm, I want to hear from you, how, like, how are you actually? churning up that that type of um, result of actually getting published and, and having those features? So I really look at that as four major things that it takes to develop. And it's all about relationships, but to develop that relationship with a publication. And you can you can apply these things to any client. And you're going to see results with 
any client that you try to try to work with. The first is research. And research is just understanding what this publication is doing, understanding what they feature, how often they feature, who is the decision makers. You just go to the bookstore, pick up a magazine, flip to the masthead and find out who the decision makers are. As a photographer, you're looking for photo editors, photo directors, photo coordinators, art directors, creative directors. Anyone with that editor's director title in the creative section of the magazine or the faux section of the magazine, that's a decision maker you want to try to build a relationship with. And you can look to see stylistically what they're featuring in the magazine. What do they gravitate towards? What style of imagery are they using on their covers? What imagery are they commissioning for the magazine? And it doesn't take long to get a sense for their creative direction, like what they what they like. Now, does your style connect with that? Do you align with what this publication is trying to do or succeeding at doing? If so, that's something you want to pursue further. Or if you see an opportunity for your style, your work, your vision to apply to this publication that would fit within their framework, absolutely. Research, for me, one of the one of my favorite things to do with researching magazines is I'll go to a magazine website and I'll go to the bottom of the website at the bottom where they have the kind of the small hidden or not hidden, but small links at the bottom. And I find the button that says advertise with us. So I'll go to the advertising page and from the advertising page, I'll be able to download their media kit. Now the media kit is designed for advertisers. It's designed to show advertisers. Here's our outlook for the year. Here's what we're going to be publishing for the year. Here's what our themes are going to be for the quarter. And here's what our themes are going to be for every issue this year. Mm-hmm. And they do that because let's say let's say you're targeting a sports magazine and uh, the August issue is on football. Well, you're going to be targeting, uh, you know, maybe uh, a football jersey manufacturing company. You're going to be targeting a cleat company. You're going to be targeting uh, an energy drink that targets for football athletes, right? Well, I look at that and say, what would they need from a creative standpoint for each of these issues? If May is the running issue, well, then I need to get photos of running shots in front of them for the May issue. And then June is the triathlete issue. Well, there you go. And then July is the uh, Ironman issue or the, the, the weightlifting issue, okay? They basically tell you in, in a very concise document, what every single issue is going to be. And now you know exactly what they need for the year. I mean, that is great research. And it and it's something that sometimes they don't expect. They don't expect you to have that sort of lead time or to have done that research. So next thing is understanding that magazines have a lead time. The bigger the magazine, the longer the lead time. But if you're marketing to a national publication, give it a, at least at least three months, probably safer for four months. So if you're targeting something in April, like an April issue, let's say April is the runner's issue, you should be sending them content early January for the April issue. And you send content, say, hey, I know you have something coming up in April on runners. Here's some work I've done that I think would resonate for you. Or here's some ideas I have for you, right? So this is that second step, which is you move from research to knowing everything about them, everything you can, what they like, what they want, what they publish, to the second thing, which is, this is the demonstration. This is showing what you can do for them. This is showing your work. It's pitching. And this is the step that takes forever sometimes, or it seems to take forever, because sometimes you're just not going to hear anything. You're just going to get crickets. And you're sending work out. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's a call they didn't return. Maybe you sent a packet in the mail that they never responded to. That doesn't mean they didn't like your work. And that's very important to realize. Most people will send stuff one or two times. Like they'll send stuff and maybe they'll send a follow-up. And then if they don't hear back, they never send again. They're like, they just assume, oh, they hated my work and I need to quit photography, right? But in reality is they're banking a lot of this stuff. They're just putting it in a pile like, oh, this is interesting. Maybe I'll look at this later because they might not need you right now. They might need you. you What's that? How many times do you follow up? Indefinitely. Like, why not? Why not? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, why not? It's a great answer. And, And the thing is, is they might not respond the first one or two times. 
They might not respond the first eight or nine times, but they might respond the 12th time, right? And they'll tell you if there's not a fit. And not a fit, to me, not a fit means not a fit for now, right? So if it takes 12 times and you only send something one or two times, then you were 10 away from getting a job, okay? So an example of this, and and by the way, I should clarify, I don't mean sending them something every day, and I don't mean sending them something every week. But consistently over time, trying to get their attention and build that relationship is what you should be doing. So I was targeting this one client this a couple of years ago, and I was doing it through a drip mailer campaign where every month they would get a new postcard from me with a new image on it. Right. So I'm about eight or nine months into doing this, where every month I've sent this photo editor a new postcard of my work, and I've heard nothing, crickets. They've not responded to a single thing. So what, what am I to think? That they hate my work, that I'm worthless, that you know maybe I should just go back to photographing my dog, because obviously I can't get this major national publication. So I'm still in the step one phase, which is research, where I'm looking at what the photo editor's up to, and I follow them on social media, and I see that there's a photo of them at their desk working. And it's just them sitting at their computer working, but there's something on the wall behind them, one thing on the wall. And so I look a little closer and realize that that one thing that's tacked to the wall behind them is my postcard. (laughs) And in fact, it was the first postcard I sent them eight or nine months ago. So they've had that on their wall for eight or nine months, and I've heard nothing from them. And that's the point. They're paying attention. They might not need you right now. It's it's like you get ads for stuff all the time, but you only respond when you need something. Like, I have to get my washing machine fixed this week. How many times have I gotten advertisements for repair people over the last five or six years I lived in this house? I couldn't even count, right? But now I'm paying attention because now I need it, right? They might not need a photographer today. They might need a photographer in nine months. So with that specific client, after I saw that, it was within one or two months that I did finally hear from them. And within a month or two later, I was working with them, right? So that kind of takes you to that third thing, which is, so we talked about researching the client. We talked about demonstrating your expertise, your value, your pitch, and how you pitch shifts. Maybe it's emails or postcards or mailers or in-person meetings or phone calls, or maybe it's a combination of all the above, right? The third thing is, is when you finally get that opportunity you insanely deliver. It is that super delivery. So we just, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had our first project with a dream client of ours. It's been on, on my dream board for about five years now. I've wanted to work with this client. So for five years, I've been trying to build are. this relationship. Okay. Finally got the opportunity. Are you able to share who they are? Yeah, absolutely. It's a women's running magazine. Love it. So finally got the opportunity to work with Women's Running Magazine, national publication, newsstand publication, love their content, love their creative, been following them for years. And I've been following them so long that I've gone through four different editors of trying <laughs> to build a relationship, okay? Because, because people in the media move around a lot, Yep. right? And so as I would start to get the attention and develop the relationship with one person, they shifted to another publication and the process started anew. So finally got the opportunity to work with them. And on this project, I'm it was it was one of those things where they're like, okay, we love your work. We have something, but it has to be in five days and it has to be in Los Angeles and we need help with the location. So I called my production manager. I said, find me a location. Here's the framework. Here's what we need. I'm booking our our, our, our travel out there. I'm booking hotels. We are going to be there like as if it were overnight, we're going to get there. We're going to kick butt on this project. And we made the client super happy because it got done. It got done within their time frame, And they, we surprised them because they didn't think we'd be able to come out as quick and get it done as efficient as we did. And we just, we just made sure it happened. Yeah. Right. And now we're a resource for them. And in talking to the, the editor while we're on set, we're talking about how they're shifting to some of their online marketing techniques and what they're doing with um, some of their advertising platforms. And we start this dialogue. And a week later, I'm in Chicago and I come across, I'm at an advertising conference in Chicago and I come across this, this book, this fact book on how magazines can, can do 
different sorts of partnerships with their advertisers. So what do I do? I grab an extra copy and I send it off in the mail to them immediately because I want to be that additional resource to them. I want to over-deliver. It's not just making good pictures. A lot of people can make good pictures. I want the best relationship and resource possible for them, right? So that third thing was delivery, you know, being the be- validating cuz anytime you get hired someone's taking a chance on you, validating why they took that chance on you. And the fourth thing, and I love to just I'm just going to reemphasize it. Just cause I love how you're thinking beyond just the delivery of photographs being the over delivery, being the value that you have to offer. Like that is that's the basic. That's the bare minimum that's expected. And I love how you're you're pushing beyond that. And it's it's showing what you do that's different, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I feel unfortunately, and we see this a lot with our fitness entrepreneur clients, and I see this with photographers we work with, is they don't stay in touch. Where they get this great opportunity to work with a client and they immediately shift their focus to another client. Well, why would you do that? This client has just said, we trust you enough to hire you. We're willing, let's say you book a cover project, we're willing to put the name of our magazine behind your work. Your work will be in front of the name of our magazine, right? Why would you then not stay in touch, not build that relationship? I mean, I've had magazines I've worked with for eight, nine, 10 years because I continue to foster that relationship and continue to redefine it. And I was having a conversation with another magazine we work with and the art director told me, he said, I've never worked with a photographer as long as I've worked with you. And it was said as a compliment, but also as a warning. And the reason it was said as a compliment and warning, the compliment was, was you've, you've kept my attention for longer than anyone else. And in this case, it was 10 years. But at some point I may decide I need something different. You know, I may decide I need to shift my style. So I have to look at that and say, okay, how can we be on our toes, never be complacent, be on our toes and continue to provide them with new, fresh, exciting content so that 10 years turns into 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were going to, to, to step four. Yeah. So, so step four is basically staying in touch. Step oh. four is fostering that relationship, staying in touch, building that rapport with the client. And if you do that, step four leads right back to step one. Because as we're continuing our relationships with our clients, we're going to find out what they need next. And what they need next is our research. So then it's demonstrating that we can provide everything they need for that next step, delivering it again, staying in touch, finding out what they need again, demonstrating our value again, delivering again, staying in touch. And it just goes on and on and on. And as long as you stay on your toes, you keep your head on a swivel, you do the work and you do it excellently, you're going to continue that relationship. And that work is going to continue to come in. And it's one of the best feelings I have is when I have a client who doesn't think twice about what they need for a project, they just call us up. That to me is the most honoring thing because it means that we're doing what we need to do to, on our end to honor that relationship. Yep. And I love how, uh, I don't know if timeless is the right word, universal. This this isn't even about publishing. This is like relationship management. This is like your friends. This is, (laughs) I mean, more or less, you know what I mean? Like this is life. I, I think it's so awesome to have this cycle uh, really kind of put into these, these four categories. Can I just restate the categories and, and, and this is kind of what I've kind of, um, uh, put it at. So, so step one is being to research them, just to Mm -hmm. put in the research, to not be a stranger, to know what you're talking about. Step two being the actual pitch, the actual process, the follow-up, the delivery, the phone call, reading the emails, the packages that get sent, um, step three being, I love how you said this, the insane delivery, the insane delivery. And then four is the cycle continues just staying in touch, re- rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Love it. James, this has been so great. James, uh, where can people find you online? Where can they read the blog, listen to the podcast, see your work, get in touch with you. 
Absolutely. So I'm not going to I'm not going to overwhelm people with too many too many links. So I'll give uh, the major the major ones. My website is jamespatrick.com. And if photographers are interested, uh, you go to jamespatrick.com, there's going to be a tab for workshops. We are starting to put out content for photographers now. Same thing I do for fitness entrepreneurs. I want to start that relationship with photographers, start giving them information, start giving them guides, start giving them frameworks to help them build their own careers or chase their own passions. Because uh, honestly, photography is such a passion fueled industry. And it's really awesome when you see people like yourself who are delivering great content, who are helping people navigate through what is honestly a a very like smoke and mirrors industry on how to grow this career. So it's really cool to see that. So I want to start joining that conversation. So I do have a free guide up right now. It's a lighting guide at jamespatrick.com. You click workshops, it's a free lighting guide. And I'm going to be releasing some more guides. We just filmed a whole lighting tutorial on sports lighting that will come out within the next few weeks. And I have another one I'm going to be pumping out on uh, online marketing and strategy for photographers. So if you go to jamespatrick.com, click on the workshop tab, you can see that our podcast and event for fitness influencers is fitposium.com, F-I-T-P-O-S-I-U-M.com. Uh, that's where also our podcast, which is also on iTunes, it's called the Fitposium Podcast. And you'll see all the information on the conference and all the partners and information presenters that we'll have there. Awesome. James, I feel like I always want to say your name, by the way. Just, I always want to say this James Patrick. <laughs> James Patrick, thank you so much for being here, for taking the time, for dropping some knowledge. I, uh, I just really appreciate the value that you've been able to give myself and this community. Ben, you are a rock star for what you're doing. I'm truly honored to be a part of this. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. Podcast fam, thank you so much for listening to James Patrick and myself. I hope it gave you a ton of great ideas uh, to elevate your brand, unique ideas to market your business. Before you leave, I've got something really, really freaking exciting to share with you guys. I've got a brand new podcast doing. Now, don't you worry, the Six Figure Photography Podcast is staying put, but I've got a brand new one that will help you design the life that you want to live. If you're more than just a wedding photographer, if you're more than just a photographer in general, this podcast is for you. Now, mind you, if you are a photographer, then hell yeah, it's also for you too. It's called Do What You Love. I'm going to help you design the life that you want to live. Uh, here's what I want you to do. If you want to get early access to the first episodes, be notified as soon as it drops. Head over to benhartley.com, just straight up benhartley.com. You can sign up. I'll make sure you get the first episodes as soon as they go live. I cannot wait to start this next chapter with you, and I would love, 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 love and appreciate it if you would give it a listen. Thank you so much for all of your commitment, for all of your gratitude uh, and, and attention. I honestly, I don't think you guys realize how much you mean to me. None of this would happen unless there was people listening. So you guys, on that note, I will see you over at the Do What You Love podcast or in the next episode of the SFP podcast. Thank you. Thank you.